Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. We go beyond the FM dial. If you want to listen to us live and in the moment, we're available at www.radionorthland.org. That's www.radionorthland.org. And you can find our, our episodes, some encore episodes uh, on our SoundCloud page, and you can also get through that link at uh, RadioNorthland.org, and we're part of the Offshoots Network as well. Cannot forget the Offshoots. I think I got everything out of the way. Glenn Braggett here once again. We're going another round here on this Wrestling Memory Sunday, and uh, down deep in the heart of Texas, in the mobile studio, he's got everything set up for an hour, a Broadway of Wrestling Memories then and now. The one and only, the grizzled vet, Mike McCurdy. Mike, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Doing great down here. You know, nice weather. We got we got through that cold snap. We're back up into the you know the 40s and the 50s. So we're we're not freezing right now. So it's a good thing. I'm looking forward to uh, this week's show too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you're not freezing. We uh, just got out of a snap of some uh, 16 below wind chill, 11 below wind chill sort of thing. So all that is is just a little dress rehearsal for when we get it, and we get it, uh, you know, times four in the, in the dead of winter up here in northwestern Minnesota. But the one thing that keeps me going, though, uh, and it's a non-wrestling thing, Mike, and I, I know you've you've commented on my post, and I, we've talked about it in, in, in conversation. It just seems like uh, right before the holidays, it's all of a sudden 2020 concert season all over the place. But big acts keep coming up here in my backyard and, you know, there's going to be coming down to your area. Just seems like just before the old holiday season, we were getting some really I'm getting concert fever. Yeah, I know. You're going to your ninth Elton John show. I haven't even gone to one yet, so I'm a little disappointed in that. But, yeah, no, Dickie's Arena here in Fort Worth, it's... uh just opening their first major concert. Got George Strait going to be in town for two nights. Completely sold out, man. The show sold out like well, day course. one of ticket sales both days. I mean, that's George Strait so, there you know, you're talking They got about. a big concert arena set up, so looking forward to see their concert dates. And, yes, I will be there in October to see Kiss. My first time, probably the last time because it's the end of the road, but, man, I'm going to be there. Oh, man, you know, you talk about George Strait and uh, my mom uh, – Oh, I, I, I message as well when I talk about going to concerts and the like. Uh, she's like, oh, you know, that that would be great. That Those are great shows, but I still need to see George Strait. I'm like, man, I, I should just, you know, get the air, you know, get the ticket and, and I don't know, go through StubHub or whatever, get her plane ticket, fly her down to your place and you can dump her off at the Dickies Arena because she's been wanting to see him for, for years on end. And the timing just hasn't worked up here. So, yeah, George Strait, you mentioned that to my mother. Uh, she'll, she'll guilt trip you into probably buying a ticket for her. No, no. Tickets are going like we're going for like in the thousands at one point. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, man? If I knew about it. Ticket sales, unfortunately. If, they knew, if I knew about it that ahead of time, I would have found a way to get in on, uh, on a pre-sale. And I would, I would have gotten those tickets. You know, you know how I roll. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I'm no, I don't go to secondary markets very often. If I have to, it's in an act of last minute uh, desperation. We wanted to go to a thing, but yeah, I, I got tickets for for the Elton show, uh, and uh, I'm taking the wife to go see Cher. We're gonna go see the Black Crows uh, in Las Vegas. Well, we're gonna go out there because the wife has a, 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 a some business, a conference to do out there. So why not? When you're out there, if they're playing, go see them. You know, that's kind of like go. I'm like uh, go see all these great these artists because you know what? They're not gonna be there forever. They've been teasing us for years, but the 19 umpteenth retirement shows but now you got to look at a time past time waits for no one and now i think this is the time to go see these final tours this i guarantee it this time for some from some of these acts this will be i mean it probably they'll still make appearances but i think that a lot of these guys are just going to hang it up from the full-time grind of touring 
Yeah, I think when Kiss says the end of the road, they mean the end of the road. Ozzy, unfortunately, I think he's had like three retirement. He's kind of like the Terry Funk of uh, music, you know. He keeps retiring, but then keeps coming back for another round or two, so... He's got like 18 lives, man. He's like double cat. Well, you know what? We got a guest, a very good guest, a returning guest to our little thing that we do here on Wrestling Memories Then and Now. And you know what? I I, I do a fair share of the intros, you know, to introduce the guests and all of that. But I just didn't just didn't feel right for me to introduce our guest. So, Mike, the Grizzle Vet McCurdy, please do us the honor of introducing our guest and we can get rolling on this edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now before I find another concert to go to there you go i'm looking forward to this this guest glenn but before that i would like to make note to all of our listeners at the time of this recording today it's november 14th you know we record a few days in advance today and this is going to kind of apply to you man minnesota territory today the fourth anniversary of the passing of nick bockwinkle he passed away november 14th 2015 so obviously in minnesota nick bockwinkle was kind of like a hero and kind of like a god of wrestling in your territory, so I just thought I'd mention that to some of our listeners. Oh my God, yeah, all uh, I mean, not a year, you know, it's been for, for that many years since he's passed, boy, Nick. We thank God you can see his stuff on on YouTube and various forms. I mean, there's not. I wish everything got saved for uh, for Nick Bockwinkle for all of those TV appearances in the '70s and uh, and some of the live arena stuff because this man was pure class and uh, a guy that. Vern had a lot of faith in and because he had a lot of talent, the charisma, the package to carry that AWA title uh, in the 1970s and, and part of the 80s, too, before finally uh, passing it to uh, Kurt Henning. I had a chance to meet Nick and speak with him many times at CAC reunions and always a wonderful gentleman, very well spoken. And in fact, well, a, a memory I'm always going to have. And when my daughter was born, Olivia, my oldest, I think it was she was five days old, maybe I got a phone call. I answer the phone and it's Nick Bockwinkle. At that time, he was president of the CAC. I had signed up my daughter as a member for a year and Nick called me to welcome her one to the club and kind of welcome her to the family and all that. So I thought that was really great that he took time out for, it was just a brief two minute call, but he took the time out to call me and all that and congratulate us on the birth of our daughter. And I think that's a class act right there. Absolutely, pure class. But now we have another great guest. We got to get to the introduction. I know you've been chomping at the bit to say, Glenn, 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 step aside, oh, my yes, man. I yes. want to handle this, brother. I'm going to handle this introduction because, as as Nick Bonkles as well, this man is pure class, sophistication. He is the complete package. So it is my pleasure to introduce, direct from his palatial estate, high in the hills of Hollywood, California. We present to you live and in person. The first, the only, the original Mr. Wonderful of professional wrestling. The diamond ring and Lamborghini man. The man who possesses the body that men fear and women love. The intercontinental lover. The Rolls Royce of professional wrestling. Rock Riddle. Rock, welcome to Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Well, I thank you very much. Uh, I am and there's the proper introduction for Rock Riddle. Yes, you see, I'm a man of very few words, so I just simply said thank you very much. And, and in anticipation of your next brilliant move, by the way, that was uh, a good introduction. Of course, only one person can do it properly, and that's me. But I won't take that away from you right now. What questions do you have for me? Where would you like us to go in this next hour? Well, sir, you know, our listeners can go back into the archives back about, I think it was around March of 2018. And we talked more about, you know, your in-ring career, how you got started. 
we didn't get a chance really to talk about your, your out of ring career. A lot of our listeners don't realize that, you know, you've had a few acting appearances. You've had a chance to appear on television with many stars. So, you know, let's start with that a little bit. Let's start kind of how you got connected in Hollywood and some of your television and movie appearances. Okay, let's do that. I will say before we get started on that, however, if you cut me, I bleed wrestling. First, foremost, and forever. I am a professional wrestler, and that's the blood that flows in my veins. I have two to three producers in an average month who ask me if I would like to be in their film or television projects. I don't have really any desire to do that. I will do it as a favor every once in a while to a producer friend, but that's not in my blood. Now, promoting and marketing professional actors who really do have that passion, that's something that I do, and I do that well. So, to answer your question, I was wrestling in Los Angeles. I had just been in Los Angeles for a very short period of time. I was in the dressing room. Leo Garibaldi was the booker. And Leo was talking to me about various things. And I said, Leo, I think since I'm in Los Angeles, I'll do some acting. And he laughed at me, basically. And he says, Rod, that's crazy. Millions and millions of people try it and they fail. If you try this, I promise you, four, five, six, eight months down the road, you're going to have failed consistently you're not going to have enough food to eat you will have lost like 40 50 pounds you'll call me you'll beg me to book you again and for the professional wrestling business and i'll say gee i'm sorry rock you're way too skinny i can't put you in the ring so rock basically uh, it's a pipe dream and just stick with what you're good at you're good in the ring you're good on the microphone but let's don't spread it out beyond that so about six weeks later in the dressing room, I said, Leo, yeah, Leo, two weeks from Thursday, eight o'clock in BC. And I just stared at him and he knew what I was saying, that there was something Rock Riddle was going to be in airing on NBC two weeks from Thursday at eight o'clock. Every time I went into the dressing room, and just about every time I had something I could give to Leo, and I would say, Leo, Soupy Sales just asked me to be on his show, the new Soupy Sales show. And Leo would just look at me with that big grin on his face and shake his head like, I, I have no idea how you did this, Rock, but you did it. The reason or the way I was able to do it is the way I've been able to do everything. And that is make the decision to do it. Have no plan B. Failure is not an option. And then do it. Well, I'm trying. No, you're not. If you're trying, you're telling me that you're giving yourself an excuse to fail. You either do or you don't do. There is no try. Understand, if, I, if you say, Rock, could you do me this favor? Could you do this? I have no problem saying no. I have no problem if I can help one of my friends saying yes. I will never say, oh, I'll try. Because if I say that, if I were ever to allow myself to say that, which I don't think will ever happen, it would mean, no, I'm not going to do it. 
I do seminars in the entertainment industry, in the wrestling business, and, and others. I just did one at the San Bernardino County, no, it was the city police department for a bunch of, of groups who met there. They said, we need an inspirational speaker. And when I first walked up, I looked at them, and I looked at the lady who put this together, and I looked at the law enforcement officers in the back of the room, and I said, this is the lady who booked me. Let's see how you feel about her after I've spoken. So I did an hour, whatever it was, right there. The first film I ever did in the entertainment industry was a movie with Robin Williams. And I had also starring. That was my billing. I said, gee, everybody told me it's impossible. And here I am also starring with Robin Williams in a Hollywood movie within a very short period of time after I decided that, yes, I'm going to investigate research, find out how the industry works, not allowing any input from those people who call themselves actors who are failing. I don't want to know how they are failing. I want to know how to succeed. So I d decided that I would research it and find the truth in this industry. I marketed myself as a product. Am I the best actor in the world? Certainly not. I, well, I'm very humble. I would say I'm adequate. Other people say, oh, you're great. Okay. But there are tens of thousands of people who are way, way, way better actors than I am. And they don't work. They don't get film and television. They don't make enough money. Like 90-something percent, over 95 percent, I believe, of the people who are in the Screen Actors Guild, now known as SAG-AFTRA, Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists combined, they don't make enough money to qualify for insurance. And they call themselves actors. Well, that's like, well, I'll do a preliminary match on a wrestling card every Oh, every month or two, and, I, and I'll tell everybody I'm a professional wrestler. No, you won't. So I don't claim to be an actor, but I continued that. And I, I think the second film I did won Best Picture at the Paris Film Festival with the late Richard Pryor, Yafet Koto, and Harvey Keitel. That was a nice movie, nice film called Blue Collar. And then I went on to do a lot of other things. I did a movie for my friend uh, Sylvester Stallone. That's an interesting story. If you'd like to hear that, just say, yes, we would, Rock. Continue. Okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Pause for the amazing laughter. See, if you laugh at any of my dumb jokes, all you do is encourage me to do more <laughs> dumb jokes. <laughs> all right. I'm at Holiday Spa. This used to be in the little Twin Towers in Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard, just across the street, basically, from the famous Chinese theater. I was in there. That's where I worked out. And until I got smart and went to World Gym in Santa Monica, where I worked out with Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno and Tom Platz and Rachel McLish, Miss Olympia, and Cal Skolak and... Roger Callard and all of the best in the world, because that's where you need to go. If you want to be good, you don't go to a spa where your only inspiration is two 
300-pound women sitting on bicycles, going very slowly, gossiping, and the only thing that is missing is this gigantic box of chocolates between the two. Wow, what inspiration we're going to get from that. No, you go to where the best in the world are. If you're going to train for something, you don't, you don't train for the entertainment industry, for example. You don't go to an acting class that's being taught by someone who's never been successful in the industry. And you have to wonder, well, if someone were successful in the industry and they're on a hit movie right now, would they be teaching? Possibly. Possibly because there's something called giving back to the industry. Now, a lot of people don't understand that. They haven't made that realization yet. But just think about it. Giving back. Giving back. I do a lot of giving back. So let's see. I, Sylvester Stallone walked into the gym. I had no idea who he was. This was before Rocky, and, and I, I think maybe he had started Rocky. So he, he walked into the gym. I see this guy with boxing trunks on in the gym, which is ridiculous. So I look over at him, and I, I immediately make a judgment of, okay, wow, where, what does this guy think he is? And he's, he came over and he introduced himself. He says, hello, my, name, uh, I'm, my name's Stallone. I said, okay, well, why is this guy coming over to me when I'm working out? Uh, does he recognize me? I don't know this guy. Uh, gay guys don't find me attractive, never have, so that's probably not it. It's probably not some gay guy trying to hit on me. See, I probably never in my life will know how that feels to have a gay guy hit on me since they don't find me attractive. Of course, if they did, I might not be saying the same thing anyway. But uh, Sly said, uh, name's Stallone. I said, hello. And then when he got around to telling me his first name, then I really did everything I could to prevent myself from smiling. Here's a guy who's named after a cartoon character, Sylvester the Cat. Please give me a break. Oh, man, some of the weirdos from Hollywood Boulevard are now coming into the gym. That was my initial reaction to Sylvester Stallone. However, we did become friends. We did work out a lot together at Holiday Spa. And Sly came to me one day and he says, Rock, I want you to be in my movie. Now, he had already done, by that time, he had already done Rocky. He's, been, he's on every, the front cover of every magazine. Uh, he won an Academy Award, I believe. Uh, he's been to the White House, all that sort of thing. He says, Rock, I want you to be in my next movie. He says, it's called Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, and uh, I want you to like do the choreography for the wrestling, and, and I got a nice role for you, too. And I said, fine. You see, I, I can't do Stallone. I don't know how to do Stallone. But that was not, not very good at all. Anyway, so I said, fine. And that was the plan, that I was going to be in his movie called Hell's Kitchen. I was going to have a significant part. I was going to help with the wrestling. I was going to do the choreography, if you will, for the wrestling. Stunt choreography. And then one day, I met Sly again. He came into the gym. It's the first day I had seen him when he wasn't smiling. And he was almost, looked like he was moving back, back and forth, side to side, and it's like he had something to say, but he 
really wasn't comfortable saying it. So finally, I'm standing next to him, and he says, uh, there's been a change. I said, okay. See, in the entertainment industry, there are changes all the time. Not a big deal. He says, uh, well, um, I, uh, I can't uh, do Hell's Kitchen the way that I wanted. I said, okay. He says, yeah, there's been some changes. You're still in the movie, Rock, but it's, it's going to be something small. I said, fine. He says, you're okay with that? I said, Sly, whatever is better for the film. It's not about my ego. If it's best, if the film will be the best it can possibly be with me not in the film at all, then fine. I don't have a problem being out. If it can be the best that it can be with me as a small part, that's fine. If, if, you, if you thought that that large part still worked, that's fine too. It, it really doesn't matter. I just want to see your film successful. And he's tilted his head, looked at me like, my gosh. I can't believe that there's someone on this planet who thinks that way. I, I said, so what happened? Uh, so I said, well, you know, I'm playing the part of the wrestler. And, uh, and I went to work out with a real wrestler. And, and this guy, he, uh, he, he said, for example, he said, choke me. And, and I looked at him like, uh, what do you mean choke you? And he said, choke me. So I, I said, uh, well, you know, like, okay, I'll choke you. So Sly choked him. And then Sly, by the way, can we say adult words on this show or not? We prefer not because that requires a little bit of editing on Glenn's part. Oh, well, in that case, I'm going to throw a lot of adult words out there. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> we'll, we'll start with deoxyribonucleic acid, orthochloralbenzomalanonitrile, and... <laughs> Deoxy, uh, whatever. Ortho, and whatever is, is the other one. There are three words you never use to start a public speech. That's one of the things that I used to do. I would throw those things out and do everything exactly the opposite of what the people expected, uh, just to show my the rebel in me. So Sly says, Zoe says, no, you, you sissy. That's the interchangeable word. No, you sissy, choke me. And Sly said, so I choked him. I mean, I choked him really hard, and he just looked at me. I said, okay, so you worked out with this person. So, Sly, uh, was this the first time you had met Jean LaBelle? See, I had no idea who he was talking about, but when he said that, I said, that has to be Jean LaBelle. Jean LaBelle, one of the toughest men on the planet. That guy's got to be 89 years old, something like that pushing 90 by now, I still would walk around the block to avoid any kind of a confrontation with him. I would drive around the block. I would drive around to the next city to avoid something with him. Still an incredibly tough individual. So I said to Sly, so Sly, Jean LaBelle showed you, he did not hurt you, but he showed you, he gave you enough indication that at any moment he could seriously injure you. And Sly said, yeah, that's true. And Sly told me, he says, you know, I, I, I can't play the part of the wrestler now because, uh, you know, I can't afford, I, I'm, I would be res working with real wrestlers and I can't afford to get hurt. So I changed it. In fact, uh, I changed the title. It's not, it's not Hell's Kitchen anymore. It's 
Paradise Alley. And I found this this big kid. He looks great, man. His name is Lee Cantalito. And uh, he's going to play the wrestler, and now I'm going to play the part of his brother. And he said, uh, and uh, the role that I had in mind, because everything has changed, I, I'm uh, Terry Funk's going to be doing that. And I said, excellent. Incredible choice. Excellent, excellent. Once I saw the film, I told Sly afterward, I said, I would have really been upset with you had you put me in that role as opposed to Terry. There's no way anybody could have done that role of, what was it, Frankie the Thumper, better than he could. So that was how the, the movie came about. Paradise Alley, Sylvester Stallone, Lee Cantalito playing the wrestler. So I'm on the set. We'll just take this a couple of steps further if you'd like. I'm on the set, and Sly Stallone has a sense of humor that I think more than equals mine. So that's a really extreme sense of humor. In fact, when we were in Holiday Spa, and then bring me back if I don't remember, very little sleep. This is called sleep deprivation. Oh my gosh, Rock, you sound pretty good. What could you do? How could you sound if you had sleep the night before? I said, I will blow you away with the magnificence of the sleep. So Sly and I would be in the gym. Sly would, When Sly would be in there with me, he would go over toward a machine. Let's say I'm doing bench presses. And he goes over to, oh, I'm the lat machine. And I would say, hey, Stallone, I'm using that. And he was, hey, you look like you're doing bench presses. I said, no, I'm supersetting. Leave that alone. So then he would go to another machine. And I would say, hey, Stallone, I'm using that. I'm doing double supersets. You leave that alone. So then he would come. He would do his banter i would come up we ended up standing nose to nose basically and i said stand up when you talk to me boy because i'm a few inches taller than sly is at that point the other people in the gym literally started backing up knowing that at any moment, one of us is going to throw the punch, the first punch, and there's going to be this knockdown, drag-out fight where the police will have to come and break it up. Except it got to the point where neither of us could keep a straight face anymore, and then the people really were upset because they knew they had been had. Yes. Fast forward to one of the first days of shooting. Sly Stallone has a moment where... He's not busy. He's sitting and just sort of looking up into space. I walk over and I said, Sly, I've got this great idea. You got a moment? He says, okay. And he looked up to me. He was sitting down. He looked up to me questioningly as though, Rock, you have something serious or is this one of your dumb jokes or what? And I said, Sly, no, I got a great idea for Paradise Alley. Do you want to hear it? Is this a good time? And he says, uh, yeah, okay. I said, Sly, remember, think of Rocky. When that movie opens, the music, I said, you need better, more dynamic music. But you remember in Rocky how it said, across the screen, R, 
O C K Y just rolled across the screen. Okay, you can have more dynamic music, and this is the way I suggest that you op- it opens. R O C K stop. R I D D L E rock riddle as big as it's humanly possible on the screen, and it goes, it flashes rock riddle, rock riddle, rock riddle. Starring in, smaller letters, letters Paradise Alley. And in parentheses and small letters after Paradise Alley, also featuring S. Stallone. And I looked at him and said, so what do you think, Sly? Pretty good, huh? Sly Stallone. Brilliant person he is. Amazing human being that he is. Huge wrestling fan that he is. He Looked, he put his finger on, on his chin, like between his thumb and his first forefinger, holding his chin. Put his elbow on the, on, the, on the chair, on the arm of the chair, almost like the thinker, you would, if you can imagine that for a moment. And you can tell he's thinking about this. He's, his eyes are moving back and forth. He looks up as though he's visualizing the marquee or the opening of the film and his hands even go back and forth like we can see rock riddle rock riddle rock riddle because of his hands coming back from basically his shoulders going forward and the hands opening rock riddle rock riddle rock riddle so he looks at that he thinks about that he looks around seems to be in very deep thought and finally looks up to me at me and says, no, I don't think so. <laughs> See, that's beautiful. It's just like when you say to a young lady, so would you like to go to a movie sometime? And she says, no. Said, no, you could at least say, act as though you're thinking about it. And let me visualize you experiencing it in your emotional state and then very reluctantly saying, you know, I'd love to, but my husband is so jealous and he like investigates everything. But gee, I'm terribly flattered. Thank you very much. That way we don't have to feel bad. We guys. I used to say that, too, in the entertainment industry, especially to actresses who were in the audience. We would talk about producers and uh, others who would use their position to attempt to get certain kinds of favors. And my suggestion to them, because people are afraid, oh, my gosh, I can't offend this man. I can't say, uh, oh, shut up, you slime bag. I'm going to sue you for sexual harassment if you if you imply any of that anymore. Oh, my gosh, I don't want to offend this person. This person could hire me. Oh, maybe I could should play along for a while. I don't think so. So I told them, here's the way to get out of that. And it works beautifully in 99% of the cases. You say to that producer, for example, wow, thank you. I am sincerely flattered and I'm in a committed relationship. Even if that committed relationship is only with yourself, like Rock Riddle is always in a relationship with Rock Riddle. I am my own hero. I am the fan. I am the the president of the Rock Riddle fan club. 
that really doesn't exist, but in my mind it does. My one regret in the professional wrestling business is that I was never, and this is true, that I was never able to sit front row ringside and watch myself in the ring because I created my hero. I created the Mr. Wonderful character, the real one, the original. I created that the way I wanted to see my ultimate hero or anti-hero, if you will. Cocky, condescending, arrogant. He didn't think he's better than other people. He knew he was better than everybody else, etc. So I worked with Sly on that and did a bunch of other film and television projects. I had a friend of mine who works under the name, one word, Raffaello. So if you go to Internet Movie Data, Database, for example, imdb.com, and you, in, uh, you look up Raffaello, you will see, oh my gosh, this guy, film, television, producer, director, cinematographer, videographer, this guy has won 63 film awards already. Well, he just happens to be uh, one of my many, many friends. I was going to say hundreds of friends, but I would put Raffaello up closer to toward the top of the list and then the hundreds down at the bottom. And Raffaello called me. He says, we're doing this movie. And I would like to have you come out on, don't, I think it was a Saturday, downtown Los Angeles. And we want you to be the announcer, play the part of the announcer. We have, uh, it's like the women's prison. And they have these fights and things like that. And we'd like for you to do it. My response was, to him was, thank you very much. Um, please, there are so many actors you know who are so good. If there is anyone anywhere who can do it as well or hopefully better than I, please give them the job. I don't need it. Uh, and if that's not possible, please let me know that too, and I'll see if I can move some things around. He sent me an email back. He says, Rock, honestly, I don't think there's anyone else who can do it as well as you. And so I, I said, what's my call time? How long is it going to take? And he says, with you, you'll be in and out within a couple of hours. Your part alone, maximum an hour, even if we have to do it multiple times. I said, okay. So I went down and I did this. And then toward the end, because he knows me, he said, Rock, I'll tell you what, would you like to do one more take your way? And I smiled and I said, thank you very much. Had you not said it, I would have suggested it. So then I threw in some stuff that he that was not written that I'll promise you ends up in the movie. So. The idea of working in the film industry is research, find out who's doing what, meet people. You can meet, oh, how could I meet Ron Howard? Easy! Research him. Put a Google alert on Ron Howard. Find out when he's going to be giving an award, accepting an award, when he's going to be speaking for a specific charity. Be there. Send him a thank you card and thank him for something that made a difference in your life. Put your photo business card in there with your website on it. He's going to go to the website, and you better have a website that is really, really impressive so that he will be impressed. As a producer, 
fact, we have several. If you look at IMDb, especially IMDb Pro, you'll see several of the upcoming projects that upon which we are working, projects uh, where I am a producer. As a producer, guess, and I'm in this example, I'm telling you as a generic producer, representative producer. As a producer, what's my favorite topic? Me and or my next upcoming film project. Do I want to talk about you, the actor, and how you did Prisoner of Second Avenue and you had some of your family members there and you only had to pay $65 a month for dues and you, ha- and you were required to go out and get other people to pay money? So you're beyond slave. You're, <laughs> you're doing all of this hoping that you're going to make it in the entertainment industry when you know producers are not going to come out and see a stupid play especially at a small theater, because we don't need to. But if you meet me, if you recognize me as a, as a producer, forget the other stuff for that moment. You say, Rock, I saw, the mo- I saw the TV show you did with Michelle Legrand and John Boyd. What is that, like four Academy Awards between the two? You have my attention now. First of all, I'm flattered that you recognized me. Secondly, I am very flattered that you know something that's fairly obscure about me and about something that I did. And you're going back, whatever that was, 15, 20 years ago. And then I will say, where did you see that? And you'll say New York or Los Angeles, wherever it happened to be. And my joke would be, so uh, I guess now we're up to 17 people who have seen it. Actually, I was at a Trader Joe's in Los Angeles several years back. Someone walked up to me. And they said, I I will uh, wait for you to finish making the noise. Okay, I'll hit my mic. (laughs) Oh, so I was at a Trader Joe's. I'm in the parking lot. I've got all of this, these groceries. And I'm starting to put them in my car. This guy comes up. He says, aren't you Rock Riddle? And I said, yes. And he mentioned that TV show. At that point... Now, I even have ice cream, but I don't care because this guy flattered me by letting me know that I was recognized, and I probably stood there and talked with him for 15 minutes before I went home and threw that ice cream in the freezer to see if it would freeze again. It's all about go to give, not to take. As a producer, since we're talking about this area, as a producer... If I am the actor and you're the producer, I'm not there to see how great I can look. I'm there to see what can I do to make your project be the very best that it can possibly be to bring that vision and that dream that you, Mr. Miss Producer, have been carrying for four, five, six, seven, eight, ten years, to bring that vision to life on the screen the very best that it can be. Similarly with what I said about sliced alone. Okay, well, I'm not in the film anymore as in a large part. That's not a problem. And him reacting like, are, are you kidding? You're here for the, for the benefit of the film? Of course. It's always for the benefit of the project. As uh, with the wrestling business, for example. Go back to that for a moment. I worked with wrestling promoters who were almost universally hated by wrestlers. I got along with them fine. People, I'll give you one example. 
I was in Tennessee, working in Tennessee for Nick Goulas. Everybody hated Nick Goulas. I did well with him. I made decent money with him. He liked me. And it's because I'm there to bring his vision to life in the ring, on the television. I, I did well and do well, I think, in front of the microphone. So he would even have me come in. He said, bring a couple of hoods, bring a couple of masks and changes of clothes because I'm going to have you talk for a couple of the other wrestlers who don't know how to talk. Okay. I'll use a different voice. I'll do something because I'll squash that little guy like he's a bug. So I would do that for him. I mentioned in the dressing room in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, I mentioned in front of several of the guys, hey, what's this deal I hear about this guy out in San Francisco area by the name of Roy Shire paying like a fortune to the guys? Their response was, yeah, he's paying a bunch of money, Rock, but, uh, you know, he's he, he's got his own little troop. There ain't no way anybody can get in there if you ain't already a part of that. So uh, it, it's uh, useless to even try. Oh, really? It's impossible? I tell you what, I'll say this to you the way I said it to so many people in the past. Impossible? Great. Stand back and watch. Watch me do the impos- impossible. Six weeks from that time, I called that main person, that wrestler in the dressing room in, in Nashville, to let him know that I was now living in Hayward, East Bay, San Francisco, working for Roy Shire. And he says, my God, Rock, how, the, how in the heck did you do that? I said, well, I wrote a letter to him. I mailed a letter to him. He said, what in the world did you say in that letter? I said, I wanted to make him wealthy. I wanted to make him a great deal of money and that I had ability. I had faith in my ability to do that. And this guy in Tennessee said, wow, Rock, I, I could never have said that to Roy Shire. I said, of course not. That's why you're in Nashville working for nothing, for peanuts. And that's why I'm here in San Francisco working for Roy Shire doing main events, semi-main events, all the way down to mid-card and making a great deal of money. And Roy Shire loved me because Roy would say, I would say, Roy, what would you like? And he would tell me, and I would give him exactly what he wanted because he's paying me and he's paying me well. A main event in the Cow Palace? Whoa, that is some serious, serious money. He invited me to his ranch at Sebastopol, California. He didn't invite people there. Myself and lady friend were invited. We spent the day there. He says, I want to show you this back in in the back of my property. And so we're standing there, and he looked at us, and he says, "Uh, we're not walking. And it's like, I'm going to take you to the back 40. So nice, huge place, very nice man. A lot of people did not like him. They did not get along with Roy Shire. But I got along with everybody because my idea. My goal is to make that person and that person's product the best that they can possibly be. Not that difficult. Not that difficult. Entertainment industry. I sent out email. Well, I sent out letters initially and I got in touch with producers. I met people. I went places where producers would be. I never was there with my hand out. I never asked for work. That's the last thing you want to do. But I impressed the people 
with my sincerity, my passion, my honesty, and they perceive me to be someone they would like to have in their film or television project. I mentioned earlier that I have two to three producers per month on an average, in an average month who, want, who ask me if I'd like to be in their film or television projects. What I did not tell you is that the vast majority of those people have no idea whether or not I've ever been in front of a camera before. I know a lot of producers whom we have never talked about the past. I never say, oh, guess what? I used to be in front of the camera. I did uh, seven episodes of The Gong Show. Uh, Chuck Barris wanted to have me as a running gag. I did this and this and this and this. No, it's not relevant. I'm not there to brag about myself to other people. I'm talking with other producers because they are friends and because they are in a position to hire actor clients whom I represent. That's a very low second priority. The friend part is the best. So that's a, a little bit of the entertainment industry where you simply set your goal on something and you go after it. I'll give you another one. Real, real simple. You see, as a private pilot, oh, we didn't know you were a private pilot. Yes. As a private pilot, I know, based on all aeronautical knowledge, all scientific knowledge, that bumblebees cannot fly. It is impossible for a bumblebee to fly. Its wings are too small. Its body is too fat. It is aerodynamically unsound. An exact duplicate of a bumblebee, if you built that, had it do exactly the same as a bumblebee would, you turn it on and you hold it in the air and you drop it, it's going to go zvoom right into the ground because it's impossible for bumblebees to fly. Now, here's the reality. Bumblebees don't know they cannot fly, so they fly anyway. Unfortunately, most people know they cannot succeed, therefore they cannot succeed. Whether you believe you can or whether you believe you cannot, you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I started to say something earlier in the radio show today where I talked about speaking in front of groups of actors, speaking in front of groups of entertainment professionals, speaking in front of groups of um, producers, directors, wrestlers even. But with the actors... I will do maybe six to eight, nine times per year. I will do a seminar for actors where I will show them where this industry really originates, what, it, what really works in this industry. It is totally opposite of what they believe because there are, for example, two million people in the greater Los Angeles area who claim to be actors. How many of them really are? Well, from the producer's point of view, uh, let's see, maybe, uh, maybe a couple thousand can handle themselves in front of the camera and the others are just kidding themselves. I had this group of actors. We had a wonderful seminar. We had an Academy Award winner come and speak for us. Over a hundred producers, directors, including Academy and Emmy Award winners have come and spoken for free to a group of actors because we asked them, because we opened the door and because we said, you, your wisdom, your knowledge needs to be shared would you be willing to do this? And they like what I've been doing over the years. So they do that. I remember saying to the actors after one of these seminars was over, I said, okay, we're doing another seminar in six weeks and we have this person who's going to be here 
as our main speaker, plus two other producers, plus I will do my hour of insight and information and inside information, if you will. How many of you will be back in six weeks? A substantial amount of people raised their hands. I said, okay, keep them up. Let's look at those people. Let's count them. Great. All right. And then some people had their hands down. And I remember one person who had the hand like halfway up. And so I looked at that person and said, wait a minute. Is this yes or no? Are you coming or not? And the person says, I will try. I looked at the person and said, we will miss you because they just told me that they're not coming. They may not know that themselves, but I knew it. We know what words mean. We know that the subconscious mind pays more attention to your own voice than it does all the other voices put together. Let me talk about my book for a moment. You wanted me to talk about my book. Hopefully, this will be done by April 2020. Imagine the rock riddle pose with the arms outstretched, with the head up, looking down his nose, blue shimmer, custom-made tuxedo, bow tie, wraparound sunglasses, so that you can almost smell the arrogance on that person. And what it says above and below that picture, simply wonderful. That is the title of the book. Here's the subtitle. The Choice, Serial Killer, Suicide, or Legend. Also on the front cover of the book, quotation marks from me. Welcome to my universe. An intimate and brutally honest autobiography by professional wrestling's original, Mr. Wonderful Rock Riddle. This is a book that is going to be unlike anything you've ever read before. I have put off doing this book. I put it off and put it off and put it off. And then I said, how much longer will I put it off? Am I going to wait until I can't write anymore? Am I going to wait until I'm maybe too old? Maybe I don't have all of the recollection that I have now. This, this book looks as though it's going to be two volumes right now. I've always been a very private person. Off camera, I'm a private person. That is all going to change, as, as it says here, as Rock Riddle takes you behind the public image. In his words, welcome to my universe. The private life of the three-time Hall of Fame recipient now goes public. The title is quite revealing, Simply Wonderful, The Choice, Serial Killer, Suicide, or Legend. And the description on the book cover, an intimate and brutally honest autobiography, is, in fact, an understatement. This very private person outside of the camera, away from the crowds, is going to share my horror my fears, past fears. I don't know that I fear anything now. It's going to show the joys, the loss. It's going to take you on a wonderful roller coaster ride, and it's going to show you so much within the world of professional wrestling that you never knew. And having said that, let me see if I can upset a bunch of people. 
by saying to you, this is my truth. I speak my truth. You don't necessarily need to accept my truth. You can have opinions. Notice the difference, truth versus opinions. Those of you who think you really, really, really know professional wrestling, who have never been in the ring, let me tell you my take on it. If you have not wrestled many, many times in the professional wrestling ring to thousands, tens of thousands of fans and made a substantial income over a substantial amount of time, then folks, you do not know professional wrestling. You have listened to other people's words and you think you know it. This is why I always ran when producers said, we want you to be in this wrestling movie written by writers who have never been in the ring, who have their own idea of what it probably is, and they are so far off that if we, the real professional wrestlers, were in the theater watching this film, we would hide our heads and get up and leave way before that film was over. That's why I did not get involved in the film The Wrestler, because I assumed it would be another one. And then when I watched it afterward, I said, they're about 85% correct. It's the closest to a real wrestling film I've seen. I found myself during the dressing room scenes in the film uh, uh, sort of spacing out a little bit or not that deeply involved. And I, then I, under, I, I realized why. Because it was like being in the dressing room, which I have done thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So it was, I said, oh, well, they sort of got that right, I guess. That's the book. I will let you know when it comes out, or it will be announced on a new website. The new website is rockriddle.info. So for info on Rock Riddle, go to rockriddle.info. That, uh, that website, there's a lot of stuff on it already. It's just being built uh, right now. There will be well over a hundred stories on there. There will be probably thousands of pictures by the time it is finished. Uh, right now, I think there are about a dozen videos up. There will be dozens and dozens more. One of the things that I'm, I'm happy about as I'm watching the progress of this website is that videos of major international stars talking about Rock Riddle are on there. And if I ever, ever, ever would allow myself to ever get depressed about anything anymore, which I don't think is possible, but if I did, I could go to those and the others that are going to be going up and say, wow, look what Jake the Snake Roberts said about Rock Riddle. Look what all these other people, Rob Van Dam, said about Rock Riddle. Uh, let's see who else is on there. I can take a look at this as we're talking. Look what the Iron Sheik, the Iron Sheik, quote, he's one of the best wrestlers I wrestled, end quote. That's amazing, folks. That is so amazing to me because I've been so close to the wrestling business and to the entertainment industry. I've been so close to it that I don't recognize the things about it that are amazing. So what I figure is, eh, it's just like uh, in the wrestling business. We never knew who we were going to, very seldom knew who we were going to wrestle ahead of time. And 
a lot of times the first time I saw the person was as he's entering the ring from the opposite direction, like the Iron Sheik when he was Khosrow Vasiri. He's entering from one way, I go in the other way. The first time I've ever seen him is as he's walking toward the ring. And I said, oh, guy looks like he's in good shape. This should be, should be a good match. That's it. That's the way wrestling was. How it is now? Hmm. Has it evolved or devolved? The Road Dog, Jesse James, says, quote, When you talk about originals, you've got to talk about the original Mr. Wonderful, Rock Riddle, end quote, and more there. And then, uh, oh, Jerry Briscoe, for example. Here's the quote that goes along with the, the video. Quote, a ring legend. I love him. He's a class act, Gerald Briscoe. So I, I'm sure there, I know there are a lot of other videos with people talking about Rock Riddle. So I'm anxious to see those when those go up. Uh, I'm looking at the site right now. And book bio. Oh, there's a bio in there. There's, there are so many bios that have been written on me. I'm, I'm just, ah, what, what would be the word? I'm almost humbled by it. And there's one that was written by a gentleman, a news reporter by the name of Lee Hexham. That was written several years ago, but that's in there now. And I read over that the other day. Haven't seen it for a long time. I said, that's really good. There's uh, news and events and, oh, there is a calendar that's going to be added, which lists my appearances, my schedule. So people who want to, in the entertainment industry, you want to do a consultation. If I have availability, you can, we'll set up a meeting, a Skype meeting or a, oh gosh, Facebook messenger video meeting, that kind of thing. And uh, for the wrestling profession, I'm going to make myself available to go to more places to work with the young students, to give them a, the basis, the, the benefit of my decades of experience in this, in, sorry, in this wrestling business, entertainment industry, same thing. But I can equate the two because once you're in one, is it not Fairly simple, if you know how to do it, to transfer, to go sideways into the other. Yeah. Look at the wrestlers now who are making a fortune in the film business. Who's the number one box office draw in the world? Well, I was the rock before he was the rock. But, of course, Dwayne Johnson. Super good guy. Uh, so, so much. So, there will be... On, there will be a calendar that's going to be added to this website, rockriddle.info. Yes, for info on Rock Riddle, go to rockriddle.info. And it's going to show where I'm going to be appearing, where I'm going to be speaking, where I'm going to be teaching. And I encourage all of the wrestling promoters, if you would like, if I'm available during a time, and you'll be able to see that on the calendar, that should be up within a... Oh, Two to four weeks, I would say. Uh, hopefully two weeks, but we'll see. If you would like me to come out and speak to you, to do a seminar for your wrestlers, no one can motivate them the way that I can. I will do, at, at your request, if we can make it work, I will do a training, in-ring training. I will do a seminar. 
I will talk to these people about the sacred ground that is the professional wrestling ring and what an honor it is to step onto that sacred ground. It's an honor for me and those people who don't look at it like that, who don't understand who paved the way for them. Well, I will let them know that. As a result, promoters, you will have more loyalty, you'll have harder working people, and you'll have people who understand psychology more from a one-day or a two-day seminar. I can do two days easily. I can, uh, in fact, eh, let's see, do I want to work? I work a couple times uh, a year. So if you have a show going on, want me to be in that, you need a manager, you need a worker, you need a, a legend, quotation marks there because I'm too humble. Um, Let me know, and we shall see. For agents, talent agents all over the country, who have people who want to eventually come to California, to Hollywood, the film capital of the world, well, wouldn't it be nice if they knew what they were in for ahead of time? I'll come out. If we can make a deal, I'll come out. I will maybe bring a fairly well-known producer, active with me, maybe a star, and we will take a day or two days, maybe a weekend, and we'll talk to you, and we'll let you know the inside and the, the secrets of success. Oh, there are no secrets of success. Yes, there are. Very, very few people know them, but those people who know them are the people who are successful. Look at me. If you look at the bio on uh, rockriddle.info, You'll see a picture, Rock at age 12. Little skinny kid, I bet I weighed maybe 115, if that. And this little kid, who then at the age of 16 was wrestling on the 138-pound weight class, who said, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. And people laughed at him. And five years later, he wrestled the ex-heavyweight champion of the world, and beat him in the middle of the ring and made the front page of the newspaper, etc. Wow. Rock, you, you were never a great technically skilled wrestler. Yes, yeah, so what? Most wrestlers are more technically skilled than I. Why did I make basically a quarter of a million dollars a year? Not a heck of a lot of money, but not bad. Why did I make that kind of money and have top billing over the heavyweight championship of the world? Jack Briscoe versus Ken Mantell, the heavyweight champion of the world versus the junior heavyweight champion of the world for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. That was the semi-main event. Rock Riddle was the main event. How can you do that? When I talk to wrestlers, I'll get back to the other thing, and I'll give you the opportunity to ask more questions, too. But if you don't interrupt me, I just keep going. Well, we uh, looks like uh, this time around, though, we're going to have to uh, put the pin in. We, we're, we're, at the, we're at the time limit, so it's been uh, an entertaining hour. We've got to have you back on, Rock, so we can continue on this, uh, this quest here with you. Looking forward to the book, and like I said, we're over the time limit. The timekeeper's giving me the eye. Mike is ready to, uh, ready to call her good, too, but thank you so much for being on Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Well, you know what I'll say. It's like people would say, the wrestlers would say in the old days on television, I'll buy more time. You can't kick me off. I'll buy more time. Click. Pleasure <laughs> being with you. Thank for, you for listening, everyone. For Rock Riddle and the Grizzle Vet Mike McCurdy, this is Wrestling Memories Then and Now.